Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original podcast. For more horror-themed podcasts like this, go to EerieCast.com. What's that behind the tree? The thing that just poked its head out to look at you? What's that silhouette slowly walking around your tent? Why, it's one of the many unexplained horrors of the forest, of course. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dark Prevails, where I recommend people watch The Cursed, a really cool werewolf movie from 2021. Today I've got some allegedly true stories about mysterious creatures seen in the woods. Enjoy, and be sure to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org so I can narrate them. Now, let's begin. The Shadow in the Woods From Anonymous I live in rural New England. I like to spend my free time exploring the back roads and woods in the area. You see, I'm an artist, and I like finding beautiful, secluded places to paint or draw. I have one such spot not far from me that I like to hike regularly, and on one unreasonably warm November day, I decided to head out and spend some time in the woods with my sketchbook. The trail is an old abandoned logging road that meanders through the woods along a river and leads to a rocky ledge and waterfall. The path is bordered by stone walls that used to separate the fields and farmland that once dominated the area. The trail is known by locals, but not many others. Most visitors to the area prefer to hike the more well-known mountain trails nearby. It was rare for me to bump into anyone else, and I preferred the solitude. It was hunting season, so I was relieved to see as I pulled my car off the road that there weren't any vehicles parked at the start of the trail. I wouldn't have to worry about anyone disturbing me or me disturbing anyone else. Like I said, my goal was to find peace and solitude in the forest, not small talk. Nevertheless, I donned a blaze orange hat and I tied a bright scarf to my backpack so I would be visible. I hiked into the waterfall without any issues, spending a lovely morning at the base of the falls, photographing the scenery and drawing in my sketchbook. The forest was beautiful. I would just sit and soak it all in, I felt safe in those woods. After a while, I began to slowly work my way back, stopping frequently to take pictures or just admire the scenery more. I got about halfway down the trail where off to one side, there is a small graveyard from the 1800s. Directly opposite that, there's a gap in the stone wall and a small path leading down a ridge deeper into the woods, closer to the river. This was an unusual choice for me. I was wary of hunters this time of year, and just being a woman hiking alone, I always had the worst possible scenario in the back of my mind. I preferred to stick to the trail, play it safe. But the woods today were intoxicating. The light filtered through the last of the leaves clinging to the trees, casting a golden glow on everything. The path was overgrown, but I picked my way closer to the water. It had rained the day before, and the river was running full and fast. I could hear it rushing over the rocks at the bottom of the ridge. As I came closer, I finally caught sight of the river. I stopped there to admire the sight before me. Then I pulled out my camera, pointing it at the river, and I began to take pictures. 
I moved closer, but as I did, I began to get this anxious feeling at the back of my mind. It was like something just wasn't right. I started to feel like maybe I was no longer alone out there. I chalked it up to paranoia. It was probably just an animal. And I started climbing down onto the rocks to get closer. When suddenly, I looked up to see a figure standing in the woods on the other side of that river. What was more worrisome was the fact that this figure seemed to be looking right at me, almost leering from behind a small group of trees. It startled me. I thought I was by myself, but maybe a hunter had hiked in after me and had set himself up out there, away from the main trail. I offered a timid wave. If it was a hunter, I didn't want to make more noise than I already had. The figure, though, did not acknowledge me. I looked closer, and I noticed that it wasn't moving. In fact, it was eerily still and really looked too tall, too skinny to be a person. It had to have been seven to eight feet tall, and although I had the distinct feeling that it was looking at me, I couldn't make out any discernible features other than a head and shoulders. It seemed to almost blend with its surroundings like camouflage. It was just this grayish silhouette. I thought that maybe it was a trick of the light falling through the trees. Maybe it was just a creepy shadow. I shivered despite the warmth of the day as the hairs on my arm pricked up. I shook my head and I turned my attention back to the river. I began walking along the rocks, snapping pictures of the flowing water. I felt silly that I'd spooked myself over nothing. I'd made it maybe another 10 yards when I looked up again and my stomach sank as I saw what looked like the same dark figure now standing across the river from me in the trees. Were they following me? How did I not notice someone walking along the opposite bank matching my pace? I called out to them. Hello. Hello. The figure shifted almost imperceptibly, but didn't respond. It had to be a hunter, or maybe I'd gone too far off the trail and was trespassing. My heart was now pounding in my chest. I called out again. Hello? Hello? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just I was taking just some pictures of the river since it's so nice out. Really, I didn't mean to bother you. I'll be going now. It stared back in eerie silence. I looked away, and then I looked back to see that the figure had now vanished. I thought my mind must have been playing tricks on me. Whatever that shadowy figure was, I wanted nothing to do with it. My small, nagging anxiety was ballooning to panic. A shadow in the woods was one thing, but a shadowy figure following me was quite another. I turned and started making my way back the way I came, trying to keep my attention focused on my feet, worried that in my agitation, I would slip and fall on the wet, mossy rocks. But every time I looked up, that thing was directly across the river, sometimes only peeking from behind the trees, but always keeping up with me without ever actually seeming to move. Then it would just disappear and reappear like a flicker. The only comfort to me was that I kept a hunting knife in my pocket and the swiftly running river between me and whoever or whatever that was. That had to offer me some protection, right? I turned to look across the river for a last time and sure enough, that thing was even closer now, still watching me. I didn't understand how it moved so quickly between the trees without being seen. I started up the steep ridge, and as the sound of the river faded, I could hear a rustle, then twigs snapping behind me. I turned to look, but the forest was still. I quickened my pace, but I knew there was no way I could outrun whatever it was anyway. I just tried to focus on my breathing, clutching the knife in my pocket, hoping that I wouldn't need to use it. I could hear the thing darting around behind me, branches and twigs snapping on my left, then on my right, like it was zigzagging across the path. 
I was so scared I could no longer turn to look behind me. I just tried to move as swiftly and carefully as I could. I finally made it back to the main path and the noises behind me stopped. I couldn't hear anything behind me anymore, but I started noticing birds chirping again. I guess I hadn't realized that the forest had been almost too quiet by the river. I kept up a pretty brisk pace all the way back to my car, holding my knife the entire time. Mine was still the only car in the lot when I returned, so I know there wasn't another person on the trail with me. I told my husband about what happened when I got home, but he really isn't one for the spooky, so despite that gut feeling I had, we agreed it was probably nothing, and I really didn't think of it much after that. About a year later, I came across an article detailing monster legends and cryptids from the area, and as I read, I was blown away by the description of wood devils tall, slim creatures that lurk in the woods. They're said to have gray skin and hair, and they blend in with the surrounding trees by standing still. It is reported that they move quickly, darting from tree to tree. My skin crawled while I read a description that eerily matched my experience. I can't say for sure what I saw, but I know it was not my imagination. I still go hiking in that area. I feel like if that creature wanted to hurt me, it had more than enough opportunity that day, but it chose not to. In my opinion, I think maybe it was just curious, or maybe it recognized I wasn't a threat, or maybe I'm just dumb lucky. I can assure you that whenever I go out to hike, I always bring my knife and my dog with me, and I never stray from the trail. Werewolf Waits For Me From Anonymous It happened about 10 years ago, when I was 13. Hunting season had just started in central Missouri. My dad and I had left the house to go hunting, and he told me to watch and make sure our dog wasn't let back in the house and instead followed us when we left. I looked back as he asked, but as I did, I saw a dog-like figure run across the road from the field in front of our house. I didn't really think much about this though. We had a creek in our backyard, and we'd often see coyotes at it. Fast forward to that night. We didn't see any deer, so we had nothing to bring home. I went to sleep that day, disappointed as any country boy would do, after waiting all day in a deer stand without seeing any deer. At around 1.30am, I woke up. Our dog was scratching at the back door. When I let him in, I saw his tail tucked between his legs, and I saw something else then too. A dog-like creature at the tree line. It was the same shape and outline as the coyote that I saw earlier. But now I got a good look at it, thanks to the full moon. It was definitely the same size as what I saw that morning, but bizarrely enough, there was what looked to be torn up cloth on its body. It had black fur and piercing red eyes. I could feel it staring right into my soul. Then I watched it stand up on two legs before it howled. At an alarming speed, it turned around and ran away. I could have sworn when it got on top of our sledding hill, I saw it turn around again, look at me, and grin. After that night, I never saw it again, and I didn't share this experience with anyone. My parents were the type, after all, that always found a simple explanation for everything. I did see signs of it, though, like a scratch mark ten feet up a tree and a set of tracks that started on all fours and crossed a creek before continuing on two. Every now and then, I hear a howl, too. I want to say I was scared, but really I felt calm. It gave me a feeling like I knew it, that it wouldn't hurt me. Update. I've begun sharing this story around the campfire as a campfire story, so as to not sound crazy, and I would tell it in third person. Not long after that, 
I ended up finding out that my dad saw it too. He was working in the field late on a night with a full moon. He then saw this thing on a hill howling at the moon. This startled him as he was quite a ways away from our house. After that, our dog became an inside dog. Though I had a feeling the thing wouldn't have hurt him as he wouldn't have hurt me. Then again, who can say for sure? This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Followed by a werewolf. From... Peak. This story took place last year. I live in a small town near a national park. I've been there all my life, and probably won't be leaving anytime soon. The same can't be said for my friends, though, who went out into the big city when it was time for college. Now, I also went to college, but to a town not too far from where I live. It would take me about half an hour to get there by bus. Two of my friends, the ones who are involved with this story, went out to the capital city of my state and lived there in flats, since the ride there would take them more than four hours every day. I soon dropped out since the college life wasn't really for me, but my friends stayed. When they eventually had some free time for the holidays, about two to three weeks, one of them proposed the idea that we go camping since we all haven't seen each other for quite some time. I'm not really an outdoors person, but I said why not, and I decided to join them. One of my friends, Mike, I was really close with. We used to hang out every day before he moved, and we always played video games together. With the other friend, however, Gabe, I wasn't really that close. I did know him from primary school, but I didn't really talk to him much. We would chat here and there when we were in a group chat or on Discord, but nothing outside of those interactions. Originally, there were supposed to be four of us, but one person declined, so it was just us three. Mike and Gabe were pretty good friends though, so I wasn't worried that it would get awkward on our trip. Anyway, we would be staying for three days on one of Gabe's family members' properties. The dude was rich, what can I say? After we were done preparing, we set off. The trip there would be long, 
We were driving from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., but we had a pretty good time. Those three hours flew by pretty fast. When we finally arrived, Gabe's uncle was there to greet us. He was the one who owned the property. The property was a big forest in which his uncle and his buddies would sometimes hunt. His uncle said the forest was pretty safe, that he had never encountered any dangerous animals when he was hunting. Now, how Gabe talked him into letting three 18-year-olds go there unsupervised, and how he thought that was a good idea, I don't know. But I wasn't complaining. His uncle then led us into the forest. We followed. We walked on a dirt path through the forest for about 10 to 15 minutes. Then we went off the trail to where our camping spot would be. However, a few minutes after we left the trail, I got this feeling like somebody was watching me. I just brushed it off. That is until I saw something moving out of the corner of my eye. It looked like something black was running through the forest, but since no one else seemed to have seen it, I didn't speak up. Probably just my imagination, I said to myself. After another few minutes of walking, we made it to a small clearing where we'd be camping. After the uncle showed us around the spot, he went back onto the trail and out of the forest. We began setting up our tents pretty soon after that, but that would prove to be quite a challenge, considering none of us had ever set them up before. Outside of me going camping a few times before with my family, this was basically everyone's first camping trip like this, and as a note, I had never set up a tent myself, that job had always fallen on my dad on our family trips. After we somehow managed to get everything set up, we ended up chatting and joking around for a while. That's when Mike said, Let's go and explore around the forest. I want to see what's out there. Yeah, but what if we get lost? I jokingly replied. It'll be fine. We won't go far. We can just go in one direction so we don't get lost if you want. Mike insisted. And so we started to explore, going deeper and deeper into the forest. It wasn't really all that special. Everywhere we looked was just trees and bushes. After about ten minutes of walking in a straight line, we noticed that some of the trees had weird markings on them. Some had weird symbols carved into them. Others just had big scratch marks. We were all getting bad vibes from it, but Gabe said that they were probably some kind of hunter marks, since his uncle and his friends used to hunt around here. That put our minds to rest, even though deep down we all knew it probably wasn't the case. When we began walking back to our campsite, I got a strange feeling, that same feeling I felt when we went off the trail earlier with Gabe's uncle. I felt like I was being watched. I began to look around us, but the only thing I saw were trees and tall grass. We did later see a deer on our way back, which was kind of nice. After we arrived back at our campsite, we started building a campfire, as it was getting dark then. We took out our food supplies and beer and started to cook. While we were eating and enjoying ourselves, Mike suddenly stopped and hushed us. He then told us both to look where he was now pointing. Gabe and I turned our heads in the direction of his finger. We soon saw what he was pointing at. About 300 to 400 feet away, there was something behind a line of trees. We couldn't quite see what it was. The only thing we could see was the color. Black, similar to what I saw when we were walking with Gabe's uncle. After we stared at it for a while, the thing moved farther away and we could no longer make it out. What was that? Gabe asked. I don't know. Maybe it was your uncle? Mike answered back, trying to explain what we saw. Well, I think I saw the same thing when we were still with his uncle, so it probably wasn't him. Maybe it's some kind of deer, I added. Uh, do solid black deer even exist? Mike asked with a puzzled look on his face. How do we know it's not a wolf or a bear or something like that? The evening soon turned into us bickering about the thing we just saw, and the conversation ended on it being a black deer. Satisfied with that answer, 
Mike soon went to sleep. As it was already night, and we were all exhausted from the car ride and the hike we had to do to get here. Gabe and I stayed awake for a while longer, but he too soon went to sleep. I couldn't really sleep, because I kept thinking about what we saw, and about those weird markings on the trees. But soon enough, sleep got me too. After I don't know how long, I was awakened by a large thud near my tent. I zipped open my tent to see what it was, and I saw something terrifying. On the ground near our campfire lay a dismembered corpse of a deer with both front legs missing and a big chunk taken out of its neck. The stench was unbearable. Soon both Mike and Gabe woke up too, only to be met with the same sight. About 20 feet next to it, there was something else, something standing in the darkness. From what we could tell, it looked to be about 8 feet tall and had these shining eyes like animals do. We were all standing there in silence, in shock. None of us knew what that was or what just happened. After we locked eyes with this beast in the shadows, it let out the scariest, blood-curdling roar I've ever heard. We ditched all our stuff there and we started running in pure darkness, hoping to find the trail and to escape. After running for a good while, we finally found the exit out of the forest. We climbed into our car and drove off at the speed of light. As we were about to leave, I looked back into the woods. There, at the start of the trail, were two glowing green eyes looking back. I have no idea what that creature was, or what it wanted. It didn't want to kill us, since if it wanted to do that, it probably could have done so a number of times before we escaped. My best guess is that it just wanted us out of there. After the event, I heard from Mike that Gabe tried telling his uncle what happened, but he didn't believe him and blamed it on alcohol, even though we only drank one bottle each. Our lives returned to normal, and we frequently talk about it. None of us know what it was, but one thing's for sure. We're never going camping there again. I hate rest areas. From That Guy Chimera. In a previous story I told, I was a rookie trucker that ran into something in Duncannon, Pennsylvania. Well, fast forward about three years. My mom passed away. Rest in peace, mom. I ended up getting a dog to help me cope and to give me some company in my truck. It was a German Shepherd with puppy fuzz still growing. One day after finishing up my trip, it was late and all the truck stops were full, like usual, so it was either the shoulder off a ramp or a rest area. Knowing my new little co-driver would need a walk, I figured a rest area would be more suitable and safe. Luckily, I ran into a familiar stop, but it was a stop off of I-40 in Missouri, where I usually see a lot of state troopers at, but never for truckers, if you get what I'm saying. This time, it was relatively empty, just two trucks and one car, but no signs of life. However, the place did look a bit run down, pretty much just as I remembered it. I figured there wouldn't be time for some training like I usually did with my puppy to go over commands. My dog was still clumsy and too small to get out of the truck by himself, so I carried him and he was always excited to walk. I don't blame him, but this time, weirdly enough, he seemed hesitant. I had to encourage him to come out but he kept looking around, looking over his shoulders like something was going to be there. It creeped me out enough that I checked over my shoulder too. At that moment, my back was facing the tree line and the building where the restrooms and state map were. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, so I hopped back in the truck to grab some protection, just in case, like every trucker should. Our walk together was normal in the beginning. I wandered about 20 feet or so from the tree line, and my dog stopped sniffing and began to focus on something. The curious puppy tried to get closer, 
when a branch snapped. Now I was focused too in the same direction. I took a step, pulling the leash slightly as more snapping sounds erupted from in front of us, but it didn't seem to be getting closer. As soon as I told my dog to come on, I then heard the most confusing animal sound I've ever heard. It started out sounding like a bear, and it faded into what I could assume was an elk. It didn't sound perfectly like one of those things, just similar to both. Thinking rationally or logically, my first thought was that it was a bear taking down an elk at night. Great, my luck must be high, I thought. With my dog at my leg, scared, trying to stay cool, I grabbed my protection, getting ready for anything, I turned on my flashlight. I knew I couldn't outrun some forest critter, especially carrying a 25-pound scared puppy. As I shone my flashlight around, I saw what appeared to be an arm. Well, I thought, that's all I need to see. It was shaped like it was coming from some lanky but muscular guy, but stretched out a bit more. Its skin was black in places, and where there was fur, it was dark gray. Its bicep alone was at my eye level, six feet. There were a few scars here and there, showing that this thing had gotten in several encounters. I couldn't see the hand completely, but I could tell this thing could probably palm a medicine ball. At that point, I felt as if running away would be the dumbest idea. Plus, I didn't want to turn around and lose track of it, so I kept backing away, shuffling backwards slowly until I felt pavement under my feet again. My dog never left my leg. I felt him moving with me, so I kept the leash loose. Suddenly, the arm moved like the body was turning or adjusting for something, all the while I'm cussing under my breath, still trying to move backwards slowly. I then make it in front of the building, a good distance away from that thing, but I kept my light on it, making sure it didn't move. Then a car pulled in, forcing me to put away my protection, even though I thought about just taking the chance of looking crazy. I said to myself, go for the car. Don't run, just walk. Hopefully that thing won't come gunning for us. As I walked past the car, I noticed it was a man and a woman. The guy said he saw my protection drawn and asked if I was okay. All I said was a bear ran through the trees, so I told him to be careful in this rest area. The lady told me that they lived not too far from here. There was a look on her face, like she knew I was talking about something else. She told me it was probably best to stay in my truck and to protect that dog, because, quote-unquote, it was too cute to lose. I did as she said, but that night I didn't get much sleep. My puppy would not leave my side either. The people I've told this story to never believe me. I don't care. I know I saw that thing's arm, and I heard it roar at some point. What I saw, what I heard, none of it registers as some recognizable animal or person. All I know is I hate rest areas now, and you can probably see why. The Garden Stalker from Silver Bullet 54. I have a friend named James who used to live in the Midwest, near the Kentucky-Tennessee border. He enjoyed it there a lot, but eventually decided to move after he had what he called an encounter like no other. He swears by his life that everything he recounted to me about it was true, and he wanted me to share this story with others. He never talks about it nowadays because it just sounds so strange. In 2017, he had just moved after getting a new job. He found a nice ranch house after searching for a long time. He found that the price was almost as much as an average rent and asked the realtor why it was so cheap. She told him, well, the previous owner was going on about some kind of creature. James laughed as he was a skeptic about these kinds of things Ghosts, fairies, elves, Nessie, Yeti, you name it. These were all just flights of fancy to him. He didn't believe her and told her as much. The woman shrugged and didn't say anything further. And as he stood there, he thought he heard a small giggle from behind him. When he turned, he saw nothing. 
he ended up getting the place and moved in as quickly as possible. After moving in was when the terror began. One morning, he walked outside and found a dead rabbit. That was normal until he saw just how it was killed, completely gutted like a fish. He didn't see an eye for anything and wondered how it had been killed like that so cleanly. He also saw a trail of blood leading to a garden he had in the backyard. This made him feel uneasy. Suddenly, he heard this weird laugh coming from the back of the property. He sprinted back inside and slammed the door. He peeked outside, seeing this odd creature that stood only about two feet tall in the backyard. He says it looked just like a gnome. He immediately called the realtor, demanding to know why she had not mentioned it. She said she had, and he didn't believe her. James was determined to stick it out for as long as he could, but this gnome had other ideas. Every night the gnome would emerge and scratch on the wall, knock on the doors, tap on the windows, all while giving off that blood-chilling laugh. Every morning he would leave, but return at night. This gnome also gutted deer, more rabbits, squirrels, and birds, leaving the gruesome evidence behind for James to find. Eventually, James saw him come out during the day. In fact, James always looked all around his property before he left to go somewhere, so that he wouldn't be ambushed. One day, he came back from a movie at a friend's house and saw the gnome watching from behind a tree, just waiting. He and the gnome just stared each other down, but then the gnome began to frolic through the garden while laughing. James had had enough. He quit his job and moved away. On the day he loaded his final possessions, he turned out of the driveway and was going down the road when the gnome ran right out onto the road. James slammed on the brakes and waited. The gnome glared at him, then smiled and ran off. I don't know if someone else owns that house now. James doesn't know, and he doesn't even care. He and I both have the same thought. Whether or not someone owns it is a moot point. We both know the one constant that that gnome is probably still there waiting and watching for a new owner to torment. Creature Near a Military Outpost From Peak Before I begin, this is not my own personal story. This is a story my dad told me some time ago, and I'm now sharing it with all of you, as it recently came back to my mind. This happened in the early 90s. At the time, there was a war in my country, so my dad ended up in the military like everyone else his age. After his training, he was sent to some old military outpost in the middle of nowhere. The nearest form of civilization was a small village located 15 kilometers or 9.3 miles from where he was stationed. So yeah, it was literally in the middle of nowhere. He was stationed there with one other guy named Sam. Their only job was to be on lookout for enemy troops. But since the outpost was located so far from where the war was taking place, Sam and my dad didn't really have anything to do. They kind of just hung out, playing card games, drinking cheap beer to keep themselves occupied. The outpost was small, and it overlooked a forest, with a metal fence surrounding the forest and ending at the outpost. The first few weeks went by, and everything was exactly the same as when they arrived, quiet and peaceful. Then, one night, while they were overlooking the forest, something happened. They were talking like they normally did, not really paying attention to the forest, since the war was basically on the other side of the country. But something felt off. Both my dad and Sam got this weird, nauseating feeling. All of a sudden, they started feeling uncomfortable, like someone was watching them. They both stopped talking and were scanning the area. However, there was no one near them. How could there be? They were miles away from anyone, and they were the only people stationed at that outpost. A few minutes passed, and the feeling still didn't go away. Confused and frightened, they turned to the forest. 
That's when they finally saw it. In the woods, right in the middle of a clearing, the two of them laid eyes on something. My dad described it to me as a humanoid figure, about four or five feet tall, with both feathers and skin. He couldn't really tell what color it was because it was dark, but he said it seemed to be all black with glowing eyes, kind of like a cat's. It was staring right at the two of them. Sam and my dad didn't know what to do. They didn't know what they were looking at, so they just stared back at it. About five seconds later, after making eye contact with it, the creature made the most loud and horrific scream my dad had ever heard. He said it sounded like a mix of a cat hissing, a deer screaming, and a man yelling for his life, all at the same time. Scared out of their minds, they readied their guns and were prepared to shoot this creature. That's when it started running. My dad says it ran as fast as a cheetah, but luckily not at them. The creature started running straight for the big metal fence that was around the forest and the outpost. It made a giant hole in it and continued running, never to be seen again. Safe to say that neither my dad nor Sam got any sleep that night. They would be at that outpost for about a month altogether, and they say they never experienced something like that ever again. Sam and dad stayed close friends after the war, and Sam became a good family friend. Both he and my dad say the same story, never changing any details. They swear that what they saw was real. I can't really explain what that was, because in this part of the world, in Southeast Europe, there's nothing that even closely resembles what they saw, either from old folktales or actual animals. The only thing I can think of is a skinwalker, but far as I know, they're only in America, so I really have no idea. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What happened when taking a detour from Newly Uncle? I saw something I can't explain while driving to my sister after having her first baby. This is what happened. It was a Friday night and I had just finished a bad week at work, so I just wanted to sit on the couch and chill. My phone rang and I saw it was my mom. Hi, Angie's in the hospital. I cut my mom off thinking something was wrong with Angie, so I answered, are she and the baby all right? After a loud sigh coming from the other end, my mom continued, if you'd let me finish, you would know that she's in labor right now, so it'd be nice if you could come to the hospital. Oh, okay mom, just tell me which hospital and I'll come straight away. Right away she told me which hospital it was. Quickly I put on my jacket, got in my car, and started the 90 minute drive to the hospital. Luckily, it wasn't that busy on the road, but I did come across a detour sign, so I was forced to take a longer route. This route took me through a long country road. No tarmac to be seen for miles, but there were a few beautiful houses and trees. I drove for about 10 minutes on this country road when I heard what sounded like someone screaming. I stopped my car and I began to look around, trying to see where the scream came from. However, the sound was gone now. I got out of my car and walked towards the tree line. When I was about a foot away from the trees, the scream came again. I called out, Hello? Hello? Are you okay? Are you okay? Do you need help? need help? And immediately the scream came again. I began to run in the direction of the scream until the scream was so loud that I stopped to look around. Still, I did not see anyone or anything making the noise. All I saw were trees and bushes. I wanted to walk back to my car when I heard a different sound. I would run. A voice and a terrifying message. 
Of course, I did exactly as it said, and I hightailed it back to my car. On my way back, I heard something following me, keeping pace with me. I grabbed my car keys, and when I saw my car in the distance, I pressed the unlock button. When I was at the car, immediately I opened the door, got in, and slammed the door shut, quickly locking it. I took a look at the tree line nearby, and I saw something standing between the trees. Glowing yellow eyes, rotting skin, bones that could be seen through that skin. The look of this creature sent chills down my spine, so I quickly started the car and floored it. The road was full of bumps, but I didn't care. All I wanted to do was to get away from that thing. After about half an hour, I finally hit tarmac again. I was so happy that I was on the highway. When I reached the hospital, my niece was born already, and of course I got to hold her. When it was time to go back home, I told my mom I'd like to spend the night at their place. I did not want to come across that thing again when driving home at night. The Gray Man in Wisconsin From Athletic Hunter 934 This encounter happened when I was younger. I was maybe around 10 at the time. I wasn't as athletic and in shape as I am now. The story starts when I was at my great-grandparents in southern Wisconsin during a family get-together. They live on the outside of a small town called Norwalk. On my great-grandparents' property is several acres of woods, and as some of you know, the forest is not a very safe-feeling place. Me, my brothers, and some of my cousins decided to walk around the woods on the property. As we were walking along a logging road, we pass a pile of tires. I start to get this weird feeling, and being a kid, I didn't say anything to the others. As we pass by this pile of tires, I turned around. I look over at the deer hunting box stand nearby, which was where I got my first deer a couple of years ago. And as I turn around, my brothers and cousins are gone. Confused, I walk up the hill, still on the logging road. I reach the top of the hill. I wanted to get a good view to see if I could find my siblings and cousins. As I turn back to face the way I came from, what I saw then still has me confused to this day. I saw a man walking along the trees next to a field about 40 yards away. The man, or what I thought was a man, wore no clothes. His skin was a very light gray, almost white, and it appeared smooth, with no hair at all on his body. In fact, I didn't see any genitalia. It didn't seem to notice me at the time. It was just walking along those trees. But then it stopped and stood still for what felt like a few minutes. After getting more details about what I saw, I ran down the hill on the other side, and thankfully, I ended up running into my cousins and brothers, who were at the bottom of the hill. Being me, I didn't say anything to them. I'm now 17, turning 18 in September. And even now, walking through the woods when I go hunting gives me the same feeling I had that day. Transylvania Brigalici from Opris Vlad. I live in Romania, more precisely, Cluj Napoca City, widely known for the Untold Music Festival. As you may know, this region, Transylvania, is popular for vampire myths and legends. Today, however, I want to present a different kind of native creature that may roam freely in the dark. As a child, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. They were living in a village not far from my city. In the daytime, I was helping them at the farm, but the most exciting time for me was the nighttime story time. Because, after dark, my cousins and I would gather around Grandma. She had plenty of stories to share. Most of them were scary, though. Maybe she wanted to scare us to keep us from going outside at night. Who knows? Maybe out there, there are really some scary night creatures. Now, one story that remained in my mind and still sends chills down my spine is about a Pricalici. 
Some say that a Precolici is a mix of a vampire and a werewolf, with a better resemblance of the latter. My grandma described him as a bipedal wolf, with glowing eyes and the capability to talk. Allow me to share with you her allegedly true story. This happened in my grandma's youth. She was at the village school, together with her best friend, Sava. They both had been punished for not doing their homework, so they had to kneel down on corn seeds and stay after school hours until their homework was done. Kneeling down in corn seeds is a very painful experience, but that was a long time ago. Honestly, I'm surprised there was even a school in the village at the time. Anyway, it was late November, so the sun was setting fast. After the two of them finished their work, they both decided to go home together to Sava's house and spend the night there. Sava's house was located at the border of the village. You had to pass through a small forest to get there. That night, it was nearly a full moon, and the wind was blowing gently with the smell of rotten meat. At a certain point, my grandma felt as if someone was watching them. Suddenly, they both heard this evil laugh from the trees above them. They panicked and clung to each other. From a tree branch, a humanoid black shape emerged from the dark. It had yellow glowing eyes, and its head resembled a rabid wolf. But the scariest part was its continuous evil laugh, as if the creature was mocking them and it knew they were going to die. What do you want? Leave us alone! My grandma screamed. I will devour your souls and bathe in your blood. The creature responded with a demonic voice. They started to run, the creature pursuing them closely, jumping from tree to tree. Its shadow was projected to the ground by the pale light of the moon, so my grandma knew when to avoid its grasp. Fortunately, they were not too far from the nearest house. They started knocking at the door when they arrived at it, begging for someone to open up. An old man and his wife let them inside. The beast continued to laugh at them, saying that it would devour their flesh. The woman prayed to the Lord with them, and the old man rubbed the doors and the windows with holy incense. He also put crosses at every door handle. That night, Nobody in the house could close their eyes to sleep. The old man told the girls that the creature was a Brigalici, an undead spirit that comes to torture the living. The following day, the old man went to church, and together with the village's priest, they formed a mob. They had torches and sickles. One of them told the rest that the creature was hiding during the day in an abandoned barn. Once they got there, the beast was sleeping in the hay. There was a smell of rotten meat and animal bones. A village man poked the belly of the creature, and it screamed out in pain. It soon found it was vastly outnumbered. He cursed them all and promised it would be back for revenge one day. With a strong jump, it broke the barn roof and disappeared. Ever since then, no one has ever seen anything suspicious not even the people from the nearby villages. I was thinking about this particular story because I'm back in my grandparents' village, walking in the cemetery near the woods. I brought some flowers to show respect for my grandma's tombstone, and I tried to remember all the good moments we spent together. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I smelled the scent of death nearby, and I swear I heard this evil laughter. Something in my backyard from Haunted, Texas. I've always lived near the forested areas of Texas. Our backyard is just a fence and behind it, there is a huge, almost endless forest. I pretty much grew up running around that forest. I could never have imagined the terrible things that reside there. I was about 12 years old when this event happened. My mother had left to go shopping. My dad was at work, which left me at home with my sister. I'd been making dinner while my sister sat in the living room, watching the princess and the frog. I'd made a pot of mac and cheese. 
After I finished up in the kitchen, my sister and I sat on the couch watching the movie. It was on that scene where they turn into frogs. My sister was laughing when we suddenly heard an odd scratching sound. It sounded like it was coming from the backyard, where the woods were. It was odd, but I just thought it could have been a coyote. I've never been so wrong. The scratching continued for another five minutes when I suddenly heard a voice, an odd raspy voice like one coming out of a radio. It sounded near perfectly like my mother. Children, let me in. It said in this sickening sing-song voice. I froze. Why would my mother come in through the backyard? Why not through the garage like usual? I led my sister away from the door as the scratching continued. I set my sister in a closet and I told her not to open the door until I told her to. As I closed the closet door, the backyard door had begun violently shaking. Whatever it was outside had begun screeching too, sounding like a mix of a human and a coyote. When it all at once stopped, the silence was deafening, almost sickening too. Suddenly, the realization hit me. A small tap was coming from behind me where the front windows were. I regret ever turning around, because there stood this thing. Its limbs were twisted, it had joints in all the wrong places. It looked almost like a deer and a wolf mixed. It had rotting skin, and I could almost make out a smile. I felt tears streaming down my face as I heard it laugh. A laugh coming from this thing. Rage and hatred towards this thing rose up in me. It was terrorizing me and my sister, who I could now hear weeping from the closet. But then... I suddenly heard the sound of the garage doors opening. My mom was finally home. When I looked back to the window, the thing was gone. My mother walked in. She saw me crying and quickly ran over to comfort me. We went to get my sister out of the closet. I was just glad she didn't have to see that disgusting creature like I did. We told my mother what had happened. She passed it off as us having overactive imaginations saying it was just a dog or coyote. But I knew it wasn't that. But what it really was, I don't know at all. Later that night, there was a constant tapping on my window all night long. That was the last I ever saw of it. I hope it was the final time I encounter it. The Shadows from Mr. J. Me and two of my other friends, Edwin and Conrad, really loved the woods. We'd bike over to the gate that led into the woods. Edwin, Conrad, and I had a certain spot we really liked to go to. We were told that there were coyotes that came out after 5, and we were at the spot that we loved at 5.30. The area we liked to go to was a nice place, with a few shallow pits and several little leaf piles. About 15 yards away from that, there is a clearing. The clearing will be a major part to the story. The icing on the cake there was the two-floor fort. There were even ladders set up. At around 5.45 that day, Edwin and Conrad started panicking. They began pointing to the clearing, and when I looked, in the middle of it, I saw two large shapes. Both looked kind of like coyotes, but they were much too large. I looked away for a split second, and they'd vanished. Some kind of primal instinct most likely caused by the horrid dread from seeing the shadow coyote things welled up in me. Conrad, Edwin, and I scrambled up the ladders of the fort and sat there for a few moments before Edwin proposed that he and Conrad would fight it off. Being the smallest of the group, I was also the easiest target. So, the two larger guys wanting to help protect me, I felt honored and terrified at the same time, then that terror turned to cold, primal, inhuman fear. I was horrified. Conrad had heard something towards the other side of the woods. The three of us formed a circle, each of us on a different side. We scanned the woods and after a few moments of silence, we bolted, jumping the fence into Conrad's yard, which, to much convenience, we were just a bit behind. The two boys bolted, leaving me in the dust. 
They ran and beckoned me aggressively, telling me to run too. I listened, adrenaline pounding in my ears. We never ever returned to our fort again, in fear of those shadow things. I thought it was a dog. From C. Philly 100. I was driving home from work one night on a dirt road in rural California outside of Santa Cruz when I spotted a dog, or what I thought was a dog, running along the side of the road. It was running away from me, so I couldn't really see its face at first, but when I pulled up alongside it, it looked at me, and that's when I got the shock of my life. The face of this animal looked like a human although its eyes were reflecting the light, giving the creature a somewhat rather animalistic appearance. The more I looked, the more I realized that this was actually a person wearing some kind of light gray homemade animal fur outfit and running awkwardly on all fours, like how a child pretending to be a dog might do. The person had a skull on top of their head that might have been a dog or coyote, with more fur on top of that. I say person because I couldn't really tell if it was male or female. Their body was mostly covered in fur, and their face was painted white and red. It wasn't a very large person, though, as it really did look like a dog at first. After it saw me, it stood up and started slowly walking towards the car. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't move. I felt as if I was under some kind of mind control or something. I couldn't take my eyes off this person. Steadily, they approached my car, one foot in front of the other with their arms down at their side. Then they smiled at me, and I saw that their teeth appeared to have been sharpened down to triangular points. That's when the reality of the situation finally hit me, and I watched with horror as this person reached into their furs, producing a 12-inch kitchen knife. I hit the gas and went bumping down the road, but when I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw that this person was chasing me, and not only that, they were easily keeping pace. I was probably only about 100 yards or so from my driveway when I crashed into a ditch on the side of the road. I looked in the rear view again, but I could no longer see this person. I threw the door open and didn't even bother closing it. I just started running as fast as my legs could carry me all the way down my driveway and into the geodesic canvas dome tent where I was living at the time. The tent had one clear plastic window that I immediately covered before starting a fire in the stove and grabbing a wooden baseball bat that I had by the door. I could hear something outside the tent, walking around, dragging what I assumed to be that knife along the side of my tent. Suddenly, the knife began stabbing into the canvas fabric I screamed and hit the exposed blade with my baseball bat. The blade withdrew, leaving a small hole in the tent. I waited a minute before throwing a shirt up over the hole. The dragging sound continued, and it was all I could do not to lose my crap, so to speak. There was no cell service out there, so all I could do was keep the fire alive until I ran out of wood, probably around two in the morning. By then, I could no longer hear any activity outside but I dared not fall asleep. I must have dozed off at some point, however, because I awoke to the sound of birds chirping outside. I walked out cautiously and looked down to see a heaping pile of fresh human excrement on the ground. I walked around and inspected the puncture in the side wall of the tent. Sure enough, there were two or three small holes in the wall. There were some bare footprints in the ground, but it was so muddy it was difficult to decipher much. I tell you what, though. I got dang near an entire truckload of salt to pour all around the tent, as well as up and down the driveway, and sprinkle throughout the woods as well, just for good measure. I don't know if it was the salt or just good luck, but I never did see that person again. Thank you for listening to another unsettling episode of Unexplained Encounters. You can send us your story to have it narrated on the show at darkstories.org. Unexplained Encounters is an EerieCast original series. You can find other horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com, such as Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series. 
Freaky Folklore, a documentary-style series about myths and cryptids around the world. Destination Terror, a show about the most haunted places. And Tales from the Break Room, another show I host all about the scary things that happen to people at work. Again, that's EerieCast.com. By the way, if you want fewer annoying ads and you want to support what we do, consider going to EerieCast.com plus to sign up for EerieCast Plus. That unlocks all our podcasts with all but host red ads removed. Until next time, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one.